Proverbs chapter 9. Alice and I are planning to attend the school play. Uh, I'm telling you, last year, um, it was absolutely, I, I was just blown, absolutely blown away. And uh, they're going to do a fabulous job this year. It's Friday night, Saturday, and a matinee on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Um, very economical, so go online, uh, go to the church app, or go to your website and uh, download some tickets and plan to attend. All right, Proverbs chapter 9. Um, this chapter is really pitting um, wisdom and um, the foolish against each other in comparison. Um, I know it's about wisdom, as most of the book of Proverbs is, but it brings out some things that are really choice and uh, to our understanding when it comes to wisdom. The issue of choice is made perfectly clear between life and death. So Solomon, the writer of most of the book of Proverbs, is getting through to these young men, future leaders, getting through to them that if you choose wisdom and understanding, you choose life. But if you choose uh, uh, ignorance, foolishness, then, and you reject understanding according to God's ways, then it brings death. Uh, a lot of great things are happening around the world, but a lot of things that are just mind-boggling. Um, just recently, I, I read where two young ladies were in prison in Iranian jails, and um, they had won several hundred of the prisoners and even some of the guards to Christ in an Iranian jail. But uh, since then, I, I read where a just a, a beautiful young lady that had become a Christian and an advocate and a witness for Christ was arrested and beaten uh, severely and uh, thrown in jail, uh, searched, stripped, searched, just humiliated. And, uh, and so they haven't really, they know she's in there, but they don't know the condition physically or that she is in. So horrible things are happening in parts of the world. In Finland, I read where um, the government is... Um, the Constitution is pro-Christian, their Constitution, but they are filing charges against a woman that posted some scripture out of the book of Romans against where the Bible talks about homosexuality in a negative sense. And so she is being potentially criminally prosecuted and uh, just putting up scripture on social media in Finland. And uh, then they found something where she wrote 15 years ago about traditional marriage. And uh, folks, um, wow, it is coming. It is already here in America. In Virginia, they are passing laws and attempting to pass laws where that if you speak out against the LGBTQ community, uh, you're going to be in trouble. They're already talking about stripping churches of tax-exempt status. That's not, uh, that's not uh, the worst thing, of course. I mean, that's a benefit to us, but that's certainly not the worst thing. It is uh, criminalizing 
hate speech, which is Bible speech. And so you had better learn the wisdom of God because culture and demonic influences are already here pressing back against us as believers and Christians are are being attacked in all kinds of form and fashion. And right now, it's like we read things, but it's like somewhere else. You know, the baker who was uh, criminalized and fined to the point that he had to close his bakery. And the little lady, that grandmother, that had, I believe, a flower shop where, uh, where she had to get lawyers and defend herself. And, and so on and on and on. And it seems so far away right now. But if you don't think it's coming to America, but the good news is this, as bad as things are getting, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound, all right? So where darkness prevails, uh, light overshadows and dispels darkness. So there is more grace for our lives. So let it get uh, hideous and dark, and may they attack us and accuse us of bigots and haters, and, and yet we know differently because we have peace in our relationship with Christ and the grace of God that sustains us. Proverbs, uh, talking about life, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6, forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So, there is a reason that Solomon keeps going over and over this because it is vital to life and death as we know it, the death of the soul or the life of the soul. All right, Proverbs, talking about death, Proverbs 9, 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. All right. So, let me go right to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 4. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. In other words, he's saying, wisdom is saying, if you are simple and devoid of understanding, you are foolish, then turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him. It's interesting that in Proverbs chapter 9, it's put in the feminine form that wisdom goes after. It relates to wisdom as she goes after um, foolish, uh, naive individuals and calls them to her wisdom. And then also the feminine form is used about the foolishness and the naivety of uh, people that will not follow wisdom and that leads to death, the Bible says. Now, all right, Proverbs 23, verse 5. Um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Um, this relates back to Proverbs chapter 9 and 4. It's really, uh, in, well, let me back up. Proverbs 9 and 1. It's a picture of a house and seven pillows, or pillars, I should say. It seems to fit the architecture of a shrine or a temple. Let me read it. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built 
her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. It speaks of a temple. So this reference is in reference to the fact that God is the deposit of wisdom that we need in our lives or wisdom of God. God's wisdom is what we need. Not the wisdom of a degree from UCL. Now that's fine and good, but that does not override the wisdom of God. And please, parents, and you yourself, if you're going to a secular college, you already, or university, you already know that you're going to be attacked, or Christianity is going to be attacked, you already know that the philosophies of this world are elevated, and the philosophy, or the truth, not the philosophy, but the truth of the Bible is uh, put down, dis- uh, caused uh, to be dispersed of in their minds, and their wisdom says, this is not real wisdom. Go get all the education you can get, but don't ever, ever let that education diminish in any way the wisdom and the counsel of God. Say amen. All right, so when your children go to college, please, please, please sit down with them. Tell them what's gonna happen. Prepare their hearts. Tell them you're gonna be praying for them and pray for them because they are going to be confronted. Uh, Years ago, I mean, it was going on and it has been for what, most of the history of this country, believe it or not. Even probably 100 years ago or more, certainly, the enemy was at work to undermine God in the culture of America. A hundred years ago, there were more Christians in America as far as population per capita. And then there were those, most of Americans had a foundational principles of truth. They believed in God. They believed uh, that the Bible was God's word. And, And so the enemy began to chip away. And the same thing happened to me. And how many of you, when you were in college, there was uh, one professor, two or three, chipping away at the foundation of your principal belief. Now, when I first went, I wasn't even a Christian to junior college. And I got into a class, and the professor gets up and he starts talking about, yeah, the Bible is full of contradictions. I sat up in my seat. I'm not even a Christian, but I've been to church most of my life, and my mother is a Christian, and I love my mother, and I know what she believes is right. And so I sat up, and immediately I didn't like this guy standing up in front of the classroom. And then he said something. He said, the Bible is full of contradictions such as. It says in three different places that three different things are written over the cross in three different places. In other words, implying that uh, one place in the Bible, New Testament, says this was written. Another place says this was written. So he contradicted himself or itself. And I was like, I don't know the Bible. He's supposed to be a smart guy. I don't know how to answer that. I know it's not true and I don't like you, but uh, I don't know what to say. It wasn't until... I went to Bible college and started reading the Bible 
that I've discovered that there were three different things written at the top of the cross in three different languages. And so I'm like, that rascal, I've been wanting to go back ever since and straighten him out. May God have mercy on his soul and may he have come to Christ, I pray. I go to speech class and I've got a typical heathen professor in there. And during the time I was there, when I first got into that class, I gave a speech from a girl's perspective on dating. And it was fabulous, if I say so myself. And they laughed and howled. It was a pretty great speech. But then I got saved. And I had to give another speech. So I go from that to thinking, you know, I want to share something. And I believe that God said to me to speak on this. Um, Looking back, I question myself whether it was God or me. But I got up in this class at a secular college, and I spoke on the second coming of Christ. And I told them Jesus was coming back. He was coming back only for those that were saved and ready to meet him. Everybody else is going to hell. And uh, I, thought, I thought it was really good. I thought they would love it. And I sat down. I was pretty proud of myself. I took it right out of the Pentecostal evangel. I knew it was scripturally correct. And, and then she started in on me. People have been saying that for years. And all of a sudden, I had liked her previously. And at that point, I'm like, You're, she's trying to embarrass me, humiliate me. And caused me to look small in my whole eyes and ever. And there was a couple of girls I can remember. Yeah, yeah. And all, they all loved my former speech, but they didn't like this one. And I sat there and just kind of, okay. And I think she gave me a C minus or D, the old wonderful lady. Anyway, and so. Um, but the enemy has been chipping away and trying to chip away at our culture for hundreds and thousands of years because it does not like people when they believe this Bible right here. And yet Solomon is saying, get this in your heart and your mind because the lies of hell are coming your way. And darkness is going to sweep across the land but we're going to stand up full of light. We're going to, the, the darkness is going to dispel around us uh, and greater grace is going to come on our lives as a result. Now, the choice is not just good conduct versus bad conduct. It is also a choice between true worship and false worship. Hence the reference to the building with the seven pillars in it, a temple. And so good worship or right worship and wisdom, of course, you cannot take away truth from God. Jesus said, I am truth. And so Jesus is the depository of all truth, real truth. Now, Proverbs chapter 7, verse uh, nine, through 9 the admonitions on differences between scoffers, scoffers, those who mock or jeer at others. And folks, this is what is happening in America. Christians are being jeered 
recently at the huge Right for Life uh, march in Washington, D.C., there were scoffers there. There were, there were people that were spewing hatred toward those poor, not poor people, but those wonderful people that were standing up for life. And uh, here's an area. I just, I'm gonna, I wasn't planning on going there, but I'm going to go there. Here's an area where across America, um, Christians, people that love Jesus, will vote people into office that believe that you can kill a child right into the third trimester. I mean, how, do you, how, do you, how does a Christian justify the taking of an innocent life? If, if you, somebody went out there and killed a puppy that had just been born, and someone saw you, they would probably put you in jail. If you killed, and if you killed a whole litter of puppies, they would throw the key away, figuratively speaking. But a doctor can take the life of a child that could easily live outside of the womb that just hasn't been born yet, and then Politicians who have the power in their hands, I think, to determine these kinds of things. And then Christians will say, well, you know, what about the, you know, what about this? And what about, and they justify it in their mind. They have, dis, they have opened their mind to deception and a lie from hell. And so I'm just encouraging you, make sure that nothing that's a part of your mind and your process of thinking and belief system is tainted by what the world believes that is contrary to the word of God. All right, there's a couple amens there. All right, let me just go on. So perverse is the person who is turned away from right or good that attempts to correct or rebuke him ends in shame and harm to the teacher. So we've got the difference here between scoffers who mock the truth of God's word. They mock truth. They mock Christians that believe in the truth. They mock us. But we're not to get angry at them. We're not to say harsh things back. No, we're just to speak truth uh, in response. So let me read this again. So perverse is a person who has turned away from right or good that attempts to correct or rebuke him ends in shame and harm to the teacher. All right. In Proverbs chapter 9 and 7, he who corrects a scoffer, one who jeers, one who mocks, one who slanders and makes fun of, he who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. But he and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Now, this is in general speaking, all right? There is always the power of the Holy Spirit that can touch a human being even after they've mocked, even after they've scorned. We're to pray for those people. We're not to, we're not to lash back at them. Years ago, I was invited to, a, uh, to go pray outside of an abortion clinic. I'd never done that before. And so on a Saturday morning, about 10 of us went over off of Colonial, side street, 
And, um, you know, I felt such compassion for those girls pulling up. There weren't that many. Um, but I felt such compassion toward them. I, I, I knew they were in a dilemma. I knew they had been lied to. So we didn't yell at them. We didn't talk to them. We just prayed for them. And we prayed that they would change their mind, to not take the life of their baby. And there were about 10 of us there, standing out on the sidewalk, not blocking the way, nothing like that. Just stand. They could pull up. All we were doing is just silently praying. We weren't even, you know, praying out super loud. No, we were just silently praying, and our hearts really were broken. Um, what happened next still is just a shock to me because, no doubt, the people that ran that place called Orange County Sheriff's Department. And there were about 10 of us quietly praying, not interfering at all, not disturbing anybody, not trying to talk to them. And up comes about 25 deputies. A horse trailer. They unload the horses. They get on the horses. I'm like, I'm, I, I, this is like a horror movie. I'm, I'm standing there. I want to go over and say, guys, ladies. It was a lady that I found out later. Supposedly that was in charge, the sergeant or whatever she was of rank that had obviously... Uh, even before she got there, despised us and showed up with such overwhelming force that you would have thought there was a riotous crowd of hundreds, 10 people just out of the way praying on a public sidewalk. 20, 25 officers show up, time taking them away from needed real needs, and riding around on those horses, I'm just like, this is unbelievable. I want to go over and say to them, look, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you here like this? You could have sent one officer, and that would have been fine. But they wanted to make a statement. They wanted to suppress. They wanted to, not them, not the officer. They just had to do what they had to do. But the person in charge wanted to suppress, wanted to scoff, and, uh, and make that statement. And uh, anyway, what can you do? You just got to love people like that. You got to love them. You got to pray for them. You, they can scoff. But, you know, we know the power of the Holy Spirit can get a hold of their heart. And, uh, and because there was no physical or verbal response to them, the Holy Spirit could use that to convict their hearts. All right, let me read you a verse. I wish I had known this in college, in that speech class, when that lady, that professor, started bearing down on me her scorn. I wish I could have said, uh, Professor, can I say something in my defense? I wish I had known the Word of God then, because I could have pulled the New Testament out that I had, I could have stood up and I said, well, I just want to read this for everybody here, especially you young lady over there that's been looking at me like I'm a dog. Second <laughs> um, Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, Jesus, 
Peter said, by the Spirit, knowing this first, that scoffers, like, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Scoffers have been around forever. But you and I are going to know the truth. We're, we're going to back away knowing that, that sometimes you cannot address verbally a scoffer. You just got to back away and pray, pray, pray for them that God the Holy Spirit would render their heart uh, melted before his presence. All right, scoffers. All right, Psalm 1 and 1. The Bible has several references to scoffers and the scornful. Blessed is the man in Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Um, the seat. In other words, people that uh, are scorning, mocking, jeering, ridiculing, typically aren't doing anything constructive. And they're even referenced as sitting. It reminds me, uh, maybe we've all, us men have done this before. We're watching a game, football, basketball, probably basketball for me. And... Uh, and we're sitting. Alice and I went to see our team, FCA, play uh, in a tournament, o tournament over at First Baptist and uh, when our son was playing. And we were sitting there, and uh, I really get excited and emotional with basketball. And I'm sitting there, and our team did a couple of wrong things, and I just, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's crazy. And Alice is like, shh. Stop. What I was doing, and I shouldn't have been doing, I was sitting. I wasn't out there playing. I was sitting and ridiculing or making light of how they were playing. And she was bringing me to my senses. It's easy to do, even for Christians. I forget when I was like, in junior high, when I played basketball one time, and I'd stayed up all night, dad had me out working. We had a problem on the farm, and I was playing game the next day, and I got at the free throw line to shoot a basket, and I missed the whole basket. I was so tired, and yet nobody made fun of me. Pray for me, because I'm still getting over that, but anyway, it's, uh, it was painful, to say the least, to miss the whole basket. It's still like I can see it falling short and missing it by about a foot. Uh, be careful. We don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. So let's have mercy and let's just pray for those who are. All right. Proverbs 9 and 8, it says, do not correct a scoffer. In other words, don't try to argue your way uh, truth into the, a scoffer. Lest he hate you, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. 
Now, folks, let me stop right there. Every person in this building that is a believer that loves Jesus, you want to be the kind of person that if you are rebuked, I'm not talking about someone yelling at you. I'm talking about someone bringing truth to you when you have missed the mark and they bring truth to you, you're rebuked uh, and you reject it, you turn away from it. No, don't, we don't do that. If somebody comes to us in love and shares with us, we miss the mark, we thank them, we say thank you so much for speaking that into my life and uh, I'm gonna change so just pray for me that I don't do this anymore. Be teachable, be teachable. When somebody in authority comes to you and corrects you in something, whether it's at work or even in the church world, if somebody's over a ministry, even if they maybe are out of line a little bit and they come to you and correct you, say, listen, I appreciate it and let's be teachable. Let's be somebody that will not get offense on our lives and, and walk in offense toward other people. We want to be wise, and that means that when somebody rebukes us, we love them. So after service tonight, find somebody, say, hey, I need you to rebuke me. Uh, uh, if you've seen something in my life, rebuke me, correct me, point it out to me, because I wanna test this thing. I wanna see if I'm really teachable and if I'm really wise, because I'm gonna love you. So maybe you need to tell your friends, your husband, your wife, come to me, come to me. Come to me, don't go to somebody else, come to me and love me enough to rebuke me and I'm gonna love you back for it. I'm gonna love you back. When I first came to this church, we had um, a banjo player. We, had, we didn't have an orchestra like this. Uh, we had tambourine players, several. Maybe some of you were here then. We had tambourine players. I didn't grow up with tambourines, but I kind of liked it. And then we got a music worship pastor that said, uh, folks, no, we're not going to have tambourines out there. If you play the tambourine, you have to play it along with in the with the orchestra, so you need to come up on the platform because it's an instrument and we don't just let trombonists get out there and play all over, you know, the back of the auditorium. And so we have people just, they didn't know what they were doing, but they, have you ever seen people, you know, a church full of tambourines? It's like, whoa. And so I, I was taken back by what he said. It kind of made sense, but uh, there were some people that didn't like it. There were some people that were like, this is my tambourine. God gave me this tambourine and I'm gonna play it here because the Holy Spirit wants me to. And so you can't stop me from playing God's tambourine. Now folks, listen. If you go to God and say, God, you want me to give up this tambourine? Please say no. God's going to say, no, I'm not going to say no. You were asked by the authority in your life to 
bring that tambourine in line with the rest of the orchestra. And if you can't play it good enough to do that, then you need to go home and by yourself get your tambourine out and dance all over the house with the tambourine. But when you come to church, bring your Bible, leave your tambourine. All right, so that's what he wanted. Why do people have to get all bent out of shape? I've had people rebuke me before. And I'm the pastor. Do you think I liked it? No. I've said to people, I've thought to myself before, I am the pastor. You don't rebuke me. I rebuke you. <laughs> Who do they think they are? Um, it's been a long time since I thought of this, but there was a man in this church, and he did something. He was after this young lady, and um, she didn't want him to be after her, so she came to me. I'm like, I'll straighten him out. And this was... Back before I had as much wisdom, I believe, as I do now. And so one day I look out my office window. It's a Saturday, and I see him. He's outside. God has brought him to me so I can go straighten him out. And that's exactly what I did. I walked out that door. I went over to him. I had an attitude. I didn't pray about it before I walked out of the office. I, had, I didn't have the right spirit. I'm going to straighten him out because I'm the pastor. And I went to him and I said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Um, a young lady, she doesn't feel comfortable. You're chasing after her there everywhere she is. She looks around, there you are, so you can't do that anymore. And, uh, you know, I, he could sense it in my voice. And you know what he said to me? You would have thought he'd say, oh, Pastor, I am so sorry. I repent and sackcloth and ashes. You would have thought, I mean, being the pastor and all, you know, but that's not what he said to me. He turns around at me, and he said, ah, oh, shut up. <laughs> now, when you just been told shut up, and you're the senior pastor, and it was over at Goldenrod, I could have said, whoa, 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 whoa. do you know who I am? Obviously, you don't know, because I'm going to call the police, and you, buddy, <laughs> are going to be sent down the road in his own car, of course. They wouldn't have arrested him for telling me to shut up, but so... Part of me was like, started to go there. And then wisdom finally came back to my heart. Wisdom. Not that flesh that I had been operating on just a few minutes prior. Wisdom. And wisdom said, wow, Carl, Oh, boy, oh, boy, you really showed him. <laughs> Threw your weight around there, didn't you, buddy? And I said to him, you know what? You're right. I need to shut up. 
And I asked his forgiveness. And um, we stood there and talked and uh, acted like two civilized human beings. And uh, my intent to rebuke him uh, didn't go over that well. I've been, all the years I've been at this church, um, I've had two or three people. When I was a youth pastor, I had a girl, teenage girl, that I got on to her about something on the church van. She turned around. She said, shut up. Um, you know, I can still remember that. You know, when you have somebody tell you to shut up like that, you're like, and you've never been told to shut up, you're like, what do you say? How do you, how do you respond? Now, you can respond in several ways. You can, whoa, you can close this service. That's what you can do. And so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can quit going on forever. That's what you can do. Um, that's being teachable. And so, uh, yeah, when people get in the flesh, wisdom says, don't go there with them. When people do wrong, even when they scorn, even when they ridicule, even when they jeer, wisdom says, don't go there. Wisdom says, yeah, pray for them, love them. They need help. They need wisdom. And you're going to show them wisdom. Um, just like David, and I close with this. Just like David, when he took Bathsheba and killed Uriah, um, and Nathan the prophet came to him. When that happened, and Nathan told him the story about someone who had stolen a little lamb that had a whole herd, stole something from somebody else who had only one. And David's anger reared up. And then Nathan said, you are that man. And David said this, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Immediately, out of his anger toward the person that Nathan was talking about, which was actually himself, that is why David was so exalted by God and loved by the Lord, is because when he did wrong and, it was, and he came to himself, he repented. He humbled himself. He acknowledged it immediately. As soon as Nathan said it, David says, it's me. Yes, I've sinned. He didn't say, do you know who I am? I'm the king of Israel, Nathan. Who, who, who do you think you are? You're nobody. I'm the king of this whole land, this whole country. Nope, he didn't say that. He said, Nathan, that's me. I've sinned against God. And immediately Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now there were consequences. But the death that was coming his way did not come. Why? Because he simply repented. Folks, let's be teachable. Wisdom says be teachable. Don't be a scorner. Don't sit in the place of the scornful. When we are rebuked, let's don't get bent out of shape. 
Let's analyze it. If there's truth that we accept it, uh, we appreciate you coming to me. Thank you for loving me enough to share with me. And then we pray about what they've said. And if there's truth there, we, we say, okay, i got to change. If there's bones mixed in, okay, that part wasn't right. But we don't dismiss the whole thing just because there may be a couple bones in there. We want to become teachable, loving, kind, full of wisdom, followers of Christ. And when darkness rolls in, the grace of God fills us to overflowing toward those who are bringing the darkness. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, help us, challenge us by your spirit. Help us to be teachable. Help us to love those, oh Lord God, that love us enough to reprove us, rebuke us, direct us, point out our wrong. And Lord God Almighty, help us to not be scorners and help us, oh Lord God, to not allow pockets of doubt, fear, darkness, unbelief be a part of our thinking and our minds. In Jesus' name.